0: Hello, this is Mark Walton, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Full and Focus podcast. My name is Matt Boisclare. We're all extremely frustrated once again this week as having led at Hillsborough since just before the break, our result was finally broken in injury time. Two late equalisers, two weeks on the bounces, four points thrown away. And had we seen those two games out, we'd be just a point away from the league leaders. We'll talk about all of that and have a quiz very shortly. But first, thanks to Mark yogi Walton for opening the show. Mark made 48 appearances between the sticks, keeping 17 clean sheets during his time at the club and is part of the legendary 96-97 Mickey Adams promotion Squad. Check out Danny Boy's Q&A with Mark on our website, fullandfocus.com, reminiscing on the Welshman's tenure at the club. Mark Walton, we salute you. Right, joining me today, firstly, is a postman who epitomises you only had one job. This man once delivered mail to an entire road before realising he was in the wrong road. And thus, he did what any of us would have done. Leg it! It's Marty Ward. How you doing, mate?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Good stuff. Also joining me is a man for whom an appearance on the Fulham Focus podcast is as rare as catching sight of Yari lipman in a Fulham shirt. He can list bubble baths and chilli sauce kebabs amongst his favourite things. He has five children, four of the human variety, and of course, a pet Baldwin. It's Danny Boy. Hello, mate. How was your trip to Hillsborough?
2: Hey, how you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah. Big fan of the show. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. Good stuff. <laughs> all
1: right, guys. So, Fulham named an unchanged starting lineup at Hillsborough. Morg Stater and I spoke last week about whether Harry Arter would come straight back in potentially for Bobby Reed. But this attacking lineup, dispels any talk of Fulham lining up more defensively away from home, doesn't it? Danny, you were there. What did you think of the lineup?
2: Yeah. Uh, first of all. I was pleasantly surprised, to be honest. Uh, credit where it's due to Parker. I thought, uh, well, I assumed that Harry Arter coming in would mean that Harry Arta was guaranteed starter whenever he was fit. He's had a good start to the season, uh, if you exclude the last two games. But overall, you would say he hasn't done an awful lot wrong to be dropped. Having said that, Harrison Reed was man the match last week, outstanding, and deserved to play. And it was a case of was he going to play on both? Was he going to drop you know, bottle it and and drop Reed for Arta? or was he going to you know show signs of of true leadership and, and management and and not go for the easy option of picking his brother in law? And and I thought it was the right decision. I don't think Harry Arta and Reed can play together. I think they clashed. They're, they're too similar and. For me it was a it was it was a good lineup I I was happy with it I just wish Bobby Reid was a, a bit more advanced than maybe it looks on paper it it was a 4-3-3 and it, for me it should have been a bit more of a
1: 4-4-1-1 Yeah okay Marcy what what do you think were you happy with the lineup did you did you expect to see Harrison Reid and Harry Arter in the same team or did you think that perhaps Scott Parker's come of age as a manager somewhat in uh, in leaving out his brother-in-law, Harry Arter?
0: Uh, I think it can only be a good thing that he left out Harry Arter. I mean, he made a clumsy two decisions in the Cardiff game. So we're all hoping that he was going to go for the same team that he used, you know, the week before and was more attacking. So we thought, well, scoring goals is a better idea. And uh, unfortunately, um, it didn't actually work out that way in scoring loads of goal.
1: Well, um, we, we dominated possession in the first half as as we always do, but it took to just before half time for us to take the lead. Tom Kearney with his with his second goal of the season. Danny, what do you remember of the goal? Talk us through it.
2: Yeah, it's funny. We we spend so much time piddling about in our own half that it and and it's it's rare for the fullbacks to get forward. So it was a breath, breath of fresh air that Joe Bryan was actually in the final third of the pitch to you know able to cross the ball into the box and. It just goes to show you what happens when you cross the ball and you don't constantly cut in and, and take shots from stupid angles and, and make the game all about you, which is what I think Knockhart and, and Cavallero do an awful lot of. So it was refreshing to see a cross come into the box. And all right, it wasn't the greatest of crosses, but the keeper fumbled it. And, and you know, it was um, it caused havoc and Kearney was in the right place at the right time. But you can't help but feel that that's what we should be doing more of because Mitrovic, the best striker in the league, and we they're the kind of goals that we need to be scoring a lot more of if we're going to win and grind out results. You can't always score the fancy Hollywood goals that we have been scoring. You need to score the bread and butter goals that uh, make a championship team successful.
1: But why is it, Marty, that when we when we score the first goal, we can't go on and take advantage of our possession and add two, three, four more goals. We did it against Millwall, but we've not managed to do it since. And I, I can't put my finger on why we can't replicate that.
0: Uh, it's becoming quite frustrating as well, because, you know, we. the one thing everyone was saying was that we've got one of the best, you know, attacking uh, attacking force in the league. And... It's just it becomes infuriating because a lot of people are blaming oh such a poor defence you know Bertinelli's at fault and then obviously it's just becoming the same old story it's this one goal and you just want to keep pushing on and that extra goal that I, I honestly think we'd be better off if we didn't you know just score the one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, I, I think you made a comment on WhatsApp yesterday. Was it you that said, oh, we just need to push for the second goal? And I said, it's like like in Fever Pitch, when the bloke in Fever Pitch says, what, you want us to score the second before we got the first? But the second doesn't seem to be coming. It's so bloody frustrating. Um, but you touched upon Bettinelli there, and we, we gave him quite a bit of stick last week. Rightly so, because he made uh, a costly, costly error, as he did against Cardiff as well. Um, but he made some great saves at Hillsborough, and I think it was probably the best possible way that he could have answered his critics. Danny, better know his
2: performance. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was it was a solid performance um, given the cr- critics he's had lately. Uh, I thought he did it. He had a good game. He had, he had a couple of moments where he dinked the ball out to the fullbacks and he, and he got it slightly wrong. It went out for throw ons, but he's notorious for that. Every game, he does that a couple of times. But that's bound to happen when you play the way we do. Unless you go and sign a goalkeeper like what Man City or Liverpool have got at the moment, then you're never going to find a goalkeeper at this level that is, you know, (laughs) it's David Beckham, Maya. So, apart from a couple of misplaced passes, he had a solid game. In fairness, he didn't have an awful lot to do. And and that's why the the result was so underwhelming in the end. Sheffield Wednesday are rubbish, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but Danny, he, has,
1: he hasn't had much to do all season, has he? But what he has had to do has gone flying past him and into the goal. So at least yeah, that's I, progress of sorts.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, fair play. That's a good point. I mean, he, what he had to do, he saved. And you, at the end of the day, you can't argue with that. The goal wasn't his fault. Um, I, I'm not sure who the, whose fault the goal was. I mean, watching it live, I know it flicked off of, I think it was Mawson's leg, and it probably wouldn't have gone into the path of the striker to score if he hadn't have done that. But, you know, we... In in the moment, well, what's he supposed to do? Leave it as a defender? You, you, you expect him to go and try and clear it. So, yeah, but going back to Bettinelli, nothing, nothing he could do for the goal. Solid performance. Keeps the shirt next week, actually. You know, no need to drop him now.
1: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think um, hopefully he's put his horror start to the season behind him and we can move on from here. Um, we'll come we we'll come on to the equaliser in a second. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the substitutions that Parker made this week. He he brought on Adoye for Stephen Sesinyom and Harry Arter for Caballero presumably to shore things up a little bit. And then Knockart came off uh, Abubakar Kamara near the end presumably to just give us an outlet whilst we were under pressure. Um, and I felt like those were the substitutions that whilst we were 1-0 up last week that, that we were crying out for and I think maybe that proves that Parker continues to learn from his mistakes what do you think Marty do you think we've seen a little bit of progress from Parker this week
0: you took the words right out of my mouth uh yeah that's exactly what I was going to say these are all the players that we were literally crying out for paring obviously Arta Ar- 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 wasn't available um we wanted Kamara uh, to just sort of come on and give us a different look last week uh and as I say he's obviously trying to you know, do the the right thing by trying to, you know, to protect at the back to make sure that we don't concede and maybe just get that lucky break, you know, if obviously Kamara hits the target.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the thing with Kamara, isn't it? You bring him on and you can get the ball right down the the right end of the pitch. But then what happens is anybody's guess. All right. So um, let's, let's come on to that equaliser that Danny's already touched upon then. I thought that Joe Bryan was very easily turned on, on the byline. If, 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 uh, If he'd got his foot on the ball early on, then the ball wouldn't have even got into the danger zone. The cross has come in from the left. It's flicked on by Mawson. And if he leaves that, then perhaps we leave Hillsborough with the points. But as Danny said, he's done instinctively what any defender probably would do. And he's tried to clear it. And unfortunately, he's diverted it into the path of of the Sheffield Wednesday player who's, who's just nodded it in at the back post. I'll come to you again, Marty, because Danny's already already mentioned the goal. Um, d- d- are there any fingers of blame from your side or do you think it was just one of those things?
0: Oh, it's just becoming infuriating. It's just been the story of the season of, yet again, we've got this one goal lead. Everyone's just hoping to secure the three points. And uh, it's probably you, me, probably Danny, it was at the game, you're thinking the goal's going to come, but when? And I thought to that point, Joe Bryan had played so, so well. and obviously. The error comes at that run point. And then obviously, Mawson, of all the touches he had, just put it into the path for them to score the goal. Yeah, it's just, it's just infuriating. It just happens to us at the moment. It just seems to be our Achilles heel, just conceding these sort of last minute goals, which they equalize.
1: Okay. And, and Danny, uh, Bettinelli not a blame for the goal.
2: Well, I, I just wanted to say about Bettinelli that when, he was the number two to David Button. And David Button got an awful lot of stick for a continuous you know, a sequence of games where he was making mistake after mistake. He had Bettinelli breathing down his neck. And I'm not sure Bettenelli has the same pressure. I know, I know we keep on mentioning Rodak, but I think it's a it's a completely different scenario being in a team like Rotherham where you're saving shot after shot in a team that is is happy to finish full from bottom. That's a completely different situation to one that is under the pressure of expecting to be in the top two, because let's face it, that's the situation we're in. So I'm not so sure Rodak is an option. I I think we are lumbered with Bettinelli, and it's going to take some very, very, very poor performances before he loses that shirt. So I think we need to get behind him, because I don't think we've got a lot of choice. I think he is the number one, and... Booing him and, and getting on his back, I don't think he's going to do his confidence any good. So, you know, good on him for a, a solid performance and, and less OP can keep it up.
1: Yeah, fair play. Um, Danny, do you think a point away at Sheffield Wednesday is a decent result in the grand scheme of things if you take away the context of the previous results this season or are you just frustrated
2: given... No, it wasn't it, it a good enough result. No, I'm going to be blunt about it. It's it's not it's not good enough. I wouldn't say unacceptable because, um, you know who are we? I mean, <laughs> let's let's face it. The championship's a long season and it's the most competitive league in the world. I mean, everybody takes points off of everybody. But if we do fancy ourselves as promotion contenders, and for me, we have the best squad in the league. I don't think there's any arguments there. There's nowhere to hide. Sheffield Wednesday were awful. They they were bang average and. The the, the tactics just don't work. And you mentioned the subs. Um, Yeah, all right. Maybe the subs were the ones we were crying out for last week, possibly were again this week. I'm not so sure you lose a game in five minutes, though, or 10 minutes with them subs coming on. For me, the game was lost in the first 80, where we had no desire to turn that possession into chances. Uh, We were quite happy to pass the ball sideways and back. But it has a counterproductive... um, element to it instead of tiring out the opposition who should be running around like endless chickens trying to get the ball back they just sit there and watch you pass it across your own 18 yard box and back to your keeper and it's actually us that end up tiring ourselves at because it's it's no coincidence in the last two games it's the opposition that have actually come on strong in the last 15-20 minutes and we tire so whilst Slabs teams used to tire the opposition out in the midfield with K-Mac Steph, Joe and, and Kearney keeping the ball and, and making angles for each other and getting the ball into areas that were actually going to make make um, dangerous situations for the opposition. It's actually us tiring ourselves out and, and making it easy for the opposition to just sit there. They just sit there and wait and go, all right, well, we'll, wait, we'll bide our time. We'll take our chance when it comes. And that's exactly what happened against Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, if we had taken the game to them like we should have done, we could have been out of sight by half-time because they were so average. There, there's no way they are going to be in the top six. Very well, It's interesting.
1: You, you, you mentioned the possession there. I've, I've got it here. 71% possession, nine shots, and just two of those nine shots on target. Last time we were in a position like this, we were just a map target and a metro away from being an amazing side. We ain't far off. So what do you think, if anything, this season is missing from the side at the moment?
2: Well, and that, that's where I feel a little bit sorry for Parker because on paper, he, I say he has the best squad in the division, but the, those parts that were missing from Slab's team and you say Mitro and Target coming in, they were the, the icing on the cake. I'm not so sure there is a, an obvious position in our, in our team now where you say, well, that's the weakness. Um, I think the system's the weakness, but I've tried several times in my head to try and, you know, move it about and, and see what suits what players, you know, making it a, a bit a bit more supportive for Mitro up front as to, to suit him. But then if you go to two in the middle, that don't suit Kearney. Yeah, if you go to two up front, it doesn't suit Knockhart and Cavalero. You know, we don't have fullbacks that overlap as well as what Fredericks did. So no matter what system you play, I think there's going to be a weakness or someone in our starting eleven that doesn't suit it. The players, for me, don't complement each other as a unit. So it's a little bit like that Real Madrid side of the, the the early 2000s, like where they had all those world-class players. But when you put them into a, a team, it didn't quite work. They were a team of individuals, and, and I fear that's what we got. So I don't know what the answer is. But the answer certainly can't be having 70 80% possession and only two shots on target, because that's... That's just keeping the ball for the sake of keeping the ball. You know, there was no desire to get forward. And we we need to be getting the fullbacks more into the game because that's what we did, did against Millwall. Steven Sessignon was a lot further forward, overlapping against Millwall, creating your know, two-on-ones down the wings. And we're just not doing that. When Nockhart and Cavallero cut inside, there's no one outside them making those overlapping runs. It's almost as if the full aren't allowed to leave the halfway line. And, you know, something's got to change. I don't know what the answer is, but that's my fear with Parker. I don't think he does either.
1: Well, we'll come on to Scott Parker in a minute. Uh, Marty, I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'm, I'm just going to say, I think um, Knockhart and Cavallero are uh, quite similar players. We've talked about this on on this show before. We, a lot of our attacks come down come down the wings, and they end up with either knockout or Cavalero that player then cuts inside and ends up having a shot. And I just wonder whether this system would work better with a Ryan Cessignon in the team, somebody a little less selfish who could bring Mitrovic into the team, because I still feel Mitrovic is completely isolated up front and he isn't getting any service from Knockhart and Cavalero at all. What do you think's missing, Marty?
0: Yeah, I totally think that's a, a spot on assessment. I think it's because we've got these two wingers that, you know, don't get me wrong, they want to score, but look at the last three results, they've been 1-0. And every time we've scored one goal, we've not won. And the games that we have won is where we've scored one or yeah, more than one goal. You know, the 2-1 win against Huddersfield, the 4-0 win against Millwall. Once we saw the Millwall game, we all thought, oh, this team is a lot better than we thought they were. You know, and I think everyone was jumping for joy, thinking finally, this is the team we all thought. We're worried about the defence. The defence isn't actually the issue. It's literally clinical finishing or shots on target. As you say, you know, Mitrovic has just left there isolated. You thought, you know, with Knockhart and Caviaro part, you know, crossing the ball and Mitrovic getting the end of it, you know, if he gets his head on one of those on target, it's guaranteed goal. And unfortunately, that's not happened. So Mitrovic is kind of looking, you know, lost for words. I mean, OK, he's not had a terrible season. He's still scored a few goals, but not as many as he probably wanted.
1: That says everything about Mitrovic though, doesn't it? Even though he's not getting much service, he's still managing to score quite a few goals. Um but if I was Mitrovic, I'd I'd be quite annoyed, I think. But Danny,
2: do you want to come in on this? Well. I mean Mitro looks bored out of his head. And and I think the, the worrying signs uh, from the last couple of games is that he appears to be getting a bit rusty, where he's hardly having any touches of the ball. And whereas the ball used to stick to him when you lumped it forward now. It bounces off him, and he, he's not even as strong as he used to be. He was he was bullied off the ball a little bit by the centre halves um, at the weekend. He has no support around him, and and I don't know if he's subconsciously feeling a little bit defeated, where he knows even if he holds the ball up, there's no no options. It, it, it's not going to go anywhere, because uh, that must go through your mind as a player when you when you're frustrated and. You feel like the team's not playing to your strengths. Um, he's the best player in the division. I can't believe that the team isn't built around him. And with Knockhart and, and Cavalero, it's almost a, a Ross McCormack feel to it, where, yes, they are really good players. And yes, they will give you moments of brilliance where they appear to be top draw. But the, the overall picture, I think they take away a lot more from the team than they give when it comes to the balance. And the team shouldn't be built around them. It needs to be built around Mitro. And whether one of them needs to be dropped, I don't know. This is the problem with losing a Florida ETA. I don't know what our options are now off the bench. Kamara's not a starter. He's an impact sub. Um, I mean, I would like to see Bobby Riga up front, uh, play a lot closer to Mitro and just go with four four two. 4 Football's a simple game. Yeah, we've got the best players in the division. Uh, people say Kenny can't play in a two, and, and he, he possibly can't. But if he is as good as what we say he is, then he'll be able to. He'll be able to play in a four 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 two with Knockhart and Cavalero outside of him. Really Why can't he play in a two? Why can't he exactly. play in a two? Why can't he? Why can't he? I mean, I think in, in ways it's, it's a little bit pathetic, uh, football nowadays. Why do you need three players in the middle of the park? Why do you need someone who specifically sits there in front of the back four? Why aren't the back four good enough to protect themselves? Why, why can't you just have a, a slightly more defensive-minded midfielder who puts his foot in, and then another one who's an all-rounder, who's more creative going forward, and just have the two? Then you can have your two players up front. It, it, it would create so much more variety and options around the pitch. If that if that was um, to happen. But I mean, I only think a free works if you get three players that perfectly complement each other. Otherwise, they just get in each other's way. That that's why McDonald, Steph Joe, and uh Kearney work so well, because they, they were completely different and spot on with the balance. But you know, unless you that that we we were very mm. lucky, I think, under Slav. We were very lucky to find that balance and we're not going to find it with a three. I, 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 just, I just don't think we will. I think we're going to have to change it because we have to get the best out of Mitro. And for me, it's got to be a 4 in the next game, which is not that much different from what we played. Bobby Rees just got to play a lot more advanced than he has been. Hmm. Yeah,
1: I'd like to see a four-four-two as well, but I'm not sure that that's on Scott Parker's mind at all. But let's come on to Scott Parker then, because Danny, I know you've got plenty to say on Scott Parker, but I'm going to bring Marty in first. Marty, how much time do you think Scott Parker is going to be afforded, firstly by the Fulham fans, and secondly by the chairman before his position becomes under threat? And when you answer this, remember, after eight games, we're 12th, but we're only five points off the top of the league.
0: Yeah, and not only that, I believe Norwich were one point less off than us last season, and look how they ended up. So, I, yes, it's a tough one because I don't want to start being this team. Just like with the whole goalkeeper situation, where we are just, yo, goalkeepers had a bad game. Let's replace the goalkeeper. We did that last season; it was disaster. Oh look, Scott Parker isn't getting the results. We're starting to drift away. We're not drifting away at the moment. We're just we're not losing. That's the main thing. We're still picking up a point, albeit frustrating that we've had a lead and we've thrown it away. I've got you've got to give Scott Parker a chance. You can see the system there. He has a philosophy. He said it in an interview during one of the games against Cardiff that he wants to create. He just has to find the right formula of getting Mitrovic involved in that game. As you say, two up front. I mean he I for me it's very frustrating because when you look who's available, if Scott Parker was to be, I don't know, removed due to pressure of the fans or Cons do pull the trigger. Chris Hutton, I mean, that's some of the names that have been mentioned about. Doesn't really send me with sort of something like, I know he's done it before, but he's not going to do it with these players. So I'm, I'm just going to say, stick with Scott Parker. We've got to start sticking with managers instead of just replacing them. He's doing a good job, in my opinion. It's just frustrating.
1: Yeah, I think if, if Parker was to be removed now, then we'd find somebody else, and that would be the fourth manager in twelve months. Um, or less than 12 months, actually, because Slav didn't go until November, which is absolutely ridiculous. We need continuity. We said this time last year on on the show, or maybe a little bit later in in the year, but we we did say that we want to bring in a manager who is going to implement a philosophy, and that philosophy seems to be possession football. And I'm happy with possession-based football, but we need to see the chances created as well. We can't be that far away, which is why I asked the question earlier on, what are we missing from this team? And hopefully Scott Parker will find that that formula sooner rather than later. We've brought in a manager with no previous managerial experience so far, other than with, uh, with the youngsters. And bringing somebody in like that does come with some risk. You know, you, we know that guy's going to have to learn on the job, as it were, because he's not going to be the finished article without any experience whatsoever. So with that in mind, I'm going to bring in Danny, who I think is probably on the opposition side of this.
2: No, no. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I was livid at the end of the game. My my issue comes, and, and I suppose everyone can relate to it with a certain managerial appointment appointment in the past. I've never really warmed to Scott Parker, even when he was a player. I've, I've never felt that he offered much success to us, or, or or anything that that made my you know my heart warm to him. Um, Kit Simons was a completely different kettle of fish. I mean, he he achieved promotion twice. Had had really done the rounds in in the the reserves and with the youngsters and been a scout. He basically held every um, role at the club apart from the manage, management. And at the time with Felix McGat. The, the soul of the club was destroyed. I don't think Slav coming in at that point was the right move. It needed like your uncle coming in to Uncle Kit to come in and, and you know put her arm around the shoulder and and even get like the canteen ladies back on side and and just get that Fulham feeling back. We've got our Fulham back, and I I, I just I'm baffled how people feel Parker is in the same. And at the same level was Kit Simons. You know, Kit Simons deserved that opportunity at that time. But for me, Parker, we owed Parker nothing. I think it was a very charitable appointment um, when we could have easily gone for someone a lot more, uh, that would have come across more ambitious. Yeah, we've got the best squad in the division and, and arguably the most inexperienced and, and the, the least capable. Of of getting us promoted out of the twenty four managers, you know, you could argue, well, he's got no experience, that he might be the most likely to get us promoted, and who's who's to say it at this stage? But for me, it was an unnecessary gamble on someone who didn't deserve the opportunity, because he, I don't think Fulham owe him anything, and that that's don't my think... that's my issue. I'm just a little bit bitter towards him because I don't, I didn't want him, so I, I see. I see all the negative points, but I I get your point. We need continuity. You know, there's no point in booing him or calling for him to go yet. It's far too early. We're only five points off the top. But something's got to change. Something's got to change quickly. The style of play is crap. You know, it's, it's rubbish. And he was the complete opposite as a player. If this was Brian Ruiz managing us, then you'd say, "Okay, well, it makes a little bit of sense. You know, he's passionate about pretty football, tippy-tappy. But Scott Parker, he could barely pass the ball. He would just run around in circles. So it it seems crazy for a manager to be the complete opposite of what he was as a player. And I wonder whether he feels he's forced into the style of play we play because he's inherited a group of players and fans that are used to it. And he's trying to do the best he can to suit the players he's got. But to me, it doesn't come natural to him. And unless he learns quickly, it's a results-based business. And I've just got a horrible feeling he won't last until Christmas. But I really hope that's not the case, because why would you want him to fail? Of course, we want Fulham to do the best they can. And, you know, we've got a good run of games coming up. And if we don't get 10 to to maximum points out of the next five games, then I will be very underwhelmed by his start to management. Well,
1: I take your point that we don't owe him anything, but when he came in last season, he was a safe pair of hands who was just guiding the club until the end of the season. But, there was a change when he took over and he did get a reaction from the players and we did win some games. So um, I think I can see why he was given the opportunity and now we've we've given him the opportunity. I think we have to stand by him for a little while at least and um, just be careful what you wish for with Brian Ruiz because you never know what the cards are capable of. <laughs> by the end of the season, you could have that guy's flop, floppy
2: air on the touchline, flapping well, about in Cav- the wind. Cavallero or Knockout will love it, wouldn't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, wilding. they would, they would. Alright, let's um let's bring this to a close in. So I'm gonna to come to you first, Marcy. Let's get your Scott Parker rating for the uh the draw at Sheffield Wednesday.
0: Uh I'm gonna go with a five, uh, because he made the changes that we wanted for the last game. Uh he didn't start Harry Arta, which many people thought, you know, due to family ties. And obviously, I'm sure people will probably talk about that picture with Scott Parker. And yeah, we we started off on the right foot. We we know yeah, we took the lead, but it's again it's the finishing and you know getting the three points, scoring them more than one goal. So i going to stick with a five.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with a six. I felt like uh, we we had we had plenty of possession. He made the right substitutions. Just why we didn't create more chances and 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 go for the jugular when we were one nil up. That's that's why I've I've not points off. I would have liked to have seen us go on and, and win that two or three nil.
2: Danny, over to you. Your Scott Parker racing. Likewise, five. Like Marty, I, th- I think uh, five's about right. We dominated the game. At the end of the day, a lot of people will say it's not a bad point, uh, but he's he's an awful lot to an awful lot to learn. Uh, uh, an av- average five's average. I think he's average. Performance was average. The podcast average. <laughs> Hey, that's harsh. <laughs> well, uh, well, just the host, just the host. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. Well,
1: with, with that in mind, then, speaking of average, let's go to Danny Boy's quiz. Fulham. Right, Danny, I'm going to hand over to you, mate. You're going to you're gonna host the quiz.
2: No pressure then. All right. So, uh, you know how it works. We've got three rounds for you. Listeners, you can play at home. First round, uh, we'll... This round's a new one. It's a new feature. It's called It's Absolutely Mental Math. Now, don't panic. It's not reliant on how good you are at your math skills. It's more about how good your educated guesses are when it comes to Fulham stats and facts. So I've got four sums for you, four facts for you that I need you to add together. And you need to give me your total. And whoever gets the closest... To the correct total gets the point. So we've got two equations for you. Both understand that? I do. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. Right. So here we go. This is sum number one. Haida Helgerson's total number of Fulham goals in all competitions. So you just need to get that total, whatever you think it is, and then plus. Scott Parker's England caps. Plus Kevin McDonald's age. And finally, plus the total appearances the recently retired Dimitar Berbatov made for the club. Right. Now you just got to add them together. And then give me a total. So we'll go to we'll go to Frenchie first. Go on, mate. What you got? What you got? Well, I've for got me? a total, but I can't remember how I arrived at it. But I've got seventy-two. Okay, seventy-two. And Marty, what you got?
0: Oh, mate, I've got one hundred and six.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, the correct answer is one hundred and sixteen, which means the point goes to Marty. Well, mate. well done, mate. Good start. Good start, mate. Right. So the figures for the first one were Hyde Hilkerson's total number of Fulham goals in all competitions was 14. Scott Parker's England caps, he had 18. Kevin McDonald is currently 30 years old. And total appearances the recently retired Dimitar Berbatov made was 54. Kevin McDonald's only five months younger than me. Can you believe that? You had a tough Can you believe paper that, round, mate. Hey? You've had you've had a tough paper round, good, unbelievable, yeah. Yes, <laughs> well, right, I look I look younger when I shave. Right, <laughs> so, well, going well, isn't it? Good start. So far, good. so good. So far, so good. Right, is sum number two. The total number of goals Fulham have scored so far this season, plus. The total number of appearances Ryan Fredericks made for the club. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure how, how long you were thinking on that one. <laughs> I know what you're like. Total, <laughs> total number of games we played in all competitions during the 2009-10 Europa League run. So that is all the Europa League games, all the League Cup, FA Cup and Premier League the total number of games that season. Plus, the number of passes attempted in our recent 4-0 demolishing of Millwall. And if you remember, it was a very high total and and I think it broke records for the league.
1: I'm lost. I'm just going to pluck a
2: number out of the air. (laughs) i thought that's what you did for the first round i did <laughs> all right then we'll go to marty first on this one
0: i've got 372
2: how'd you arrive at that
0: i have no idea i i, I when you started coming up with numbers i was just like i don't even know i've got it now all my stuff's gone all i've got is 372 so i'm gonna stick with that and it's obviously wrong
2: all right uh matt well, I,
1: I thought that the passes was something like seven or eight hundred. I'm, I was, I'm going to go eight hundred as the as the
2: total as a okay. number. All right. So the total is one thousand one hundred and eighty-three. So we'll break it down for you because I, I know I know you're desperate to know. Hmm. Uh, the I total am. number of goals Fulham has scored so far this, this season is sixteen. Total number of appearances Ryan Fredericks made for the club was one hundred and fourteen. Total number of games we played in all competitions during the Europa League season was 63. And the number of passes attempted in our recent 4 0 demolishing of Millwall was 990. We were 10 short of the fat thousand.
0: Packers. Far so as close Aren't... then.
2: <laughs> yeah, just a bit. far off, mate. In the grand scheme of things, you were close. About as close as Fulham got to the goal for eighty minutes. <laughs> right here we go, round two, and this round's called Hugo Rodriguez, and uh, as you can imagine, it's all about Brian Ruiz. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, not, it's about it's about Hugo, Hugo Boss. Right. So next up, we face Wigan Athletic at the Cottage, and Hugo Rodriguez is arguably the player most affiliated between the two clubs, particularly in recent times. In total, he scored 20 goals for Fulham and taking it in turns, you have five guesses each to name the 17 opponents he scored those goals against. Does that make sense? Yeah, wonderful.
0: Yeah, lovely. Okay,
2: so we'll go with Frenchy first.
1: Thank Take God it God away, that. son.
2: Thank God for that because I can think of one. Take Aston Villa, away. Aston Villa. Of course, Aston Villa—the famous away day, uh, one of my favourite away days, actually. Can't if for nothing in the end, because uh, we was relegated. Cheers, Felix. Uh, Felix. But it's one nil to the Frenchie, Marty.
0: Well, I know one game he didn't score in was that Sheffield United Cup game.
2: He did. You uh, not get that one. You were right. Sheffield in the first leg, and then the second leg was probably the worst game I've ever been through in my life.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, that's when, the one uh, I was alluding to.
2: Oh well, oh, well, you said Sheffield United, and that's all you have to do in this game, so else you out. I'll, there. Take, I'll take it. You'll take it. He scored in the first leg, which ended one one. So you have to you have to say a
1: game in which he didn't score and get a point. Unbelievable. Well no. average
2: quiz. <laughs> 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 right. We, I, we make, um, we make uh, special exceptions for Marty. Bless him. Oh, of course we do. Dodgy post. God bless you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, go on, um Fringy, uh, back to Fringy. I
2: think he, he scored against Wigan. His first goal for us was against Wigan. Are you doing my job for me, yeah? Absolutely. yeah? Absolutely. It's got written down here. First goal came against the team we signed him from. Okay. Back to you, Marty.
0: I'm going to say Southampton.
2: Southampton is not on the list. So, that's not a point, I'm afraid. Frenchy, back to you. Norwich. Norwich, yeah, I don't even have to look. I know that one's on there. That was the following game for the uh, the Villa one in the, the not-so-great escape. So, yeah, spot on. Marty, third guess for you.
0: Um... Didn't he score against West Ham?
2: Did he score against West Ham? I'm gonna check for ya. I'm gonna check. And he did. That was his third goal. Absolutely, in a three one win at the cottage. Well done. Back to you, Frenchie. Um, back to me. Uh okay, let's go for Middlesbrough. That guess. Yeah, it is a guess. Complete and utter guess, wasn't it? Completing that, I guess, and you know what? It's wrong. It's wrong. It's, wrong. it's wrong. It's wrong. It's not there. It's not there, mate. Back to you, Marty McFly. Um, hey.
0: Right. Try to <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: Stop googling. So,
0: try. I'm gonna say Newcastle because I stay. We went to St John's Park. Or no, we we he scored at the Cottage against Newcastle.
2: Did he? Yeah, did definitely he? swear he did. He did? Blimey. good knowledge. That was his second goal. So um yeah, spot on. Right, so so where are we at now? Where are we at? We are at the final round of guesses. So back to you, Mr. Matt Bosclare. Um let's say Reading. You're saying Reading? Why not? Now I'm looking. No, he didn't score against Reading. Shame. Wish every player scored against Reading. Me too. Right, yeah. no, Reading's not there. So that's another X. Right, back to you, Marty. The final guess of the round, please, sir. Uh,. Arsenal? 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 No, Arsenal's not there. No. Nope. Damn it. Okay, so you did quite well out of that round, to be fair. you got three each, uh, six out of ten. He scored 20 in total against 17 teams. So let's reveal the rest of the answers. So his first goal came in a 2-1 win away at Wigan, like we said. He scored in a 2-1 win at home to Newcastle. 3-1 win at home to West Ham. Uh, We mentioned all of those. Burton in a 2-2 draw in the League Cup. He scored two goals against Leicester in a 4-3 defeat in the League Cup. He scored in the 1-0 draw away at Sheffield United, like Marty said. Uh, 2-1 away to Aston Villa in the not-so-great escape. Again, 1-0 against Norwich. In the same season, uh, 5-3 against Forrest in Felix McGatts' last game as manager. He scored in Kit Simon's first win against Birmingham away. He actually scored two against that team. He scored in Fulham's 4-0 win over Bolton in the same season. He scored two against Charlton at home in a 3-0 win. He scored in a 3-1 win against Huddersfield in a 2-1 defeat to Brentford. The 2-1 win over Brighton, the famous game where Darren Bent didn't act very nice. He scored in Fulham's 1-0 win at Ellen Road against Leeds. And finally, his last goal came in a 3-1 defeat to Sunderland. OK, so that's the end of the round. And the scores at the moment are... Bloody hell, it's 4 all. It's 4 all. How's that worked out? Have I worked out right?
1: Don't know, mate. You're the quiz host. It's all to play for. Let's all I'm going to say, it. All I'm gonna
0: say is...
2: Not, it makes it exciting. It just makes <clears throat> Frenchy.
0: was a Roddy Edgar fan all along.
2: Let's pretend That's it's it. 4 all. Right. <laughs> well, it's all to play for in the final round, which is the guest of the player round. So, you know how it works. Eight facts for you, and... It's up to you when you come in. The quicker you come in, the more points you're rewarded. But bear in mind that when you do come in, you can't change it and you're frozen out of the rest of the game. So here we go. fact number one, this player is six foot one tall. Any takers? Nope. What? No cheeky guesses. All right. Fact number two: He is currently thirty-seven years old and retired. Oh, I could have a guess here. Oh, but, then you I'm could. Gonna... but it's only four all though. Do you really want to? No, I don't. I don't. But...
0: No, oh, go on, You go for it. No, because I don't know
2: how old he is. <laughs> Well, that that would help. Yeah. Is he okay, I, no, I'm,
1: I'm going I'm to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Why not? It's a bit of fun, something. isn't it? I'm going to say
2: Berbatov. Oh. Going for the Berber. All right. Well, you frozen out of the game, mate. And fact number three. He's not Bulgarian. <laughs> no, i <I'm> joking. <laughs> <laughs> joking. Fact number three. He made 127 appearances in all competitions, scoring six goals.
0: Hmm. Can't be Berber then.
2: He's not not him. Fact number four: his brother was also a professional footballer. Take your time, Marty. You, You want to carry on, mate? I,
0: I can think of a brother, but I'm thinking to myself, he didn't score for us.
2: Okay, all right. Fact number five. He scored two goals on in Europe en route to the final in Hamburg. I know it now. Fact number six. He has made more Premier League appearances than any other African for Fulham.
1: Maybe I don't then. <laughs> no, I do. I do. I do. I was, I was thinking of someone else.
2: Back number seven. He began his career with Manchester City.
0: Dixon Atuhu.
2: He's saying Dixon Atuhu. Okay, so we've got Berbatov, and we've got Dixon Atuhu. Both frozen at. Similar so, same- players in so many ways. Yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, they complimented <laughs> each other. <laughs> and finally, fact number eight, he left Fulham a matter of weeks after his fellow midfield partner Danny Murphy to team up again at Blackburn Rovers. Okay, and the answer is it sticks in the two who which means that Marty gets the points for that round and wins the quiz this week. So congratulations Hello, to mate. Marty. Well, Thanks very match, much. Played. Don't uh, don't have any prizes for you this week. I think you think you won six four in total. No prizes because it cost an absolute fortune to get to Sheffield, and I'm yeah. not in a generous mood. No,
1: definitely not. No chance of that. Nice one, guys. Thanks for joining me this evening. I've enjoyed it despite the disappointment of the result at Hillsborough. Thanks, as always, to you guys for listening at home. We'll be back on Thursday morning to look ahead to Friday night's match at home to Wigan. And there'll also be a look back at the career of one of our own. Have a great week. Cheers.